This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Nearby March contract down 430 at $691.20 per ton. New crop November, it's up 470 at $565.80 per ton. Canadian canola supplies as of December 31st came in at 12.1 million tonnes, according to a report from Statistics Canada this morning. That was down by 23% on the year, but and also below the five-year average of 14.4 million tonnes. Those stocks were only slightly below average trade estimates, but were seen as confirming the need to ration demand going forward, especially as exports continue to run well ahead of the year-ago pace. Canada has exported 6.2 million tons of canola through the first half of the crop year. According to the latest numbers from the Canadian Grain Commission, that's up by 1.6 million tons from the same time last year. Gains in Chicago soybeans were also a bit supportive today, but soy oil is weaker in early trade. The Canadian dollar is also firmer, uh, contributing to those uh, losses in the front months. Soybeans are uh, steady to higher, starting to back away from earlier highs. Uh, the March contract unchanged at 13.72 and a half. A number of key soybean growing states in Brazil have received a fair bit of rain in recent days, with more moisture in the forecast. That precipitation is causing harvest delays, and that could keep export interest focused on the U.S. for the time being. The USDA releases its latest supply-demand estimates next Tuesday, and pre-report positioning should account for some of today's activity, with the general expectations for a tighter U.S. soybean stocks estimate compared to the last projection. Corn, it's a bit softer, down $0.04 in March at $5.46 per bushel. U.S. corn stocks are also expected to tighten in next week's report as export demand continues to cut into domestic supplies. The USDA reported a flash sale of 101,000 tons of corn to unknown destinations this morning. Wheat futures are a bit firmer today. Minneapolis spring wheat up four cents in the March contract at 6.25 per bushel. Kansas City also up four cents at 6.22 per bushel. And Chicago wheat up three cents in the March contract at 6.40 per bushel. Canadian wheat stocks at the end of December came in at 24.8 million tons. That was down by 4% from the same time last year, but slightly above the five-year average. That's a look at the ice futures and U.S. markets for Friday, February 5th. In Winnipeg, for Markets Farm, I'm Phil Franz-Warkenton. See more and do more in a new 300 series compact track loader from New Holland. Its industry-leading 360-degree visibility is truly something to see at Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John. With its reverse camera and 8-inch multifunction LCD display, Superboom lift technology, rock-solid stability and redesigned controls, you'll work with greater speed, safety and precision. Maximum productivity starts with a clear view. Stop by Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John today and see how a new 300 series compact track loader helps you do more the opinions expressed during this show do not represent those of this station if you've missed any of this show you can follow the podcast at energeticcity.ca now an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community this is moose talks with your host doug craig on moose fm 
Welcome to another episode of Moose Talks. I'm very excited for today's episode because we're doing the whole half hour with one guest. We'll be chatting with Fort St. John Mayor Lori Ackerman, and I had a chance to chat with her earlier. We're going to talk a bit about the capital budget, the library, high on ice, among other things. Lots to chat about. Uh, let's see that interview now. All right. Thank you so very much for joining me today, Mayor Ackerman. I appreciate you making time for us. Uh, lots to talk about. I thought we'd start with the capital budget, though. Uh, we're spending $73 million this year uh, in a variety of projects. Why don't you start first by telling us, for people who don't know, exactly what the capital budget is and, and how it relates to spending by the city in general? Sure. Uh, so first of all, let me begin by uh, saying that uh, we have a meeting on Monday and with year-end adjustments and project reporting coming in, we're actually at uh, $76 million uh, capital budget, but that, that $3 million is really being flipped over to finish the projects that didn't get finished, okay? Okay, okay. So we do have a, a significant uh, budget this year, and of course the uh, Peace River Agreement funds is what drives that uh, capital budget. We're able to approve this capital budget ahead of time because it is by no way connected to uh, the operating budget that is uh, um, really from all of the other uh, operating reserves as well as the uh, tax revenue that we uh, draw from the uh, taxation, the property tax. So our capital budget for many years has been um, something that we have really been pushing so a lot of people would remember back in 2003 when our roads were 50%, over 50% of our roads were gravel with open ditches. Um, and uh, we're really looking forward to a lot of the, the projects here. So the Peace River Agreement is about 84.7% of, of that budget. And it involves roads and related infrastructure. It uh, involves uh, facilities and parks, as uh, I think is part of the list that we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. um, actually, water and sewer is in our capital budget, but it's a standalone budget um, because um, it really does need to function by itself. And the Peace River Agreement is something that could shift and change over the year, and water is just too important to uh, have any kind of risk involved with it. We also uh, put the uh, equipment and machinery into our capital budget and any kind of vehicles that we want. And then a small amount into studies and plans for future projects so that we're prepared. And that really enables us to be ready for when the government comes out with um, granting opportunities and they say they want shovel ready. Well, we're able to uh, provide that shovel ready um, application for, for funding. I see. Uh, just quickly on the sewer and water budget, does that mean then you you anticipate paying for it with uh, essentially the Peace River Agreement money and the rest of the capital budget or parts of it, but it it sort of functions on its own as part of the operating budget? Like, What does that mean exactly? So what it means is that we do have to... Uh, so water and sewer is capital, Yeah. Yeah. but it's not reliant on the Peace River Agreement funds. I so see. while the government wants it um, reported as capital, so you'll see it in our capital budget, you'll also see that there is absolutely nothing from the Peace River Agreement that goes into our water and sewer um, 
uh, budget. So we've got um, for the for uh, for the water and sewer, we've got the sewer capital reserve and the water capital reserve that we contribute to, and uh, that allows any upgrades that need to be done to water and sewer to be done through those reserve funds. Okay, let's talk about a few of the big projects in the capital budget that are going to be on the books for a bit. Obviously, the RCMP detachment, uh, anyone driving by can see uh, some of the uh, kind of the shell of the building is going up uh, right now. What are you kind of expecting to be completed and, and done this year in terms of the detachment and, and part of the budget you passed? So in, in 2022, um, I would expect that the walls will be up and, and the ceiling it should be enclosed and uh, a lot of the work inside will be started. Right now, I, anyone that drives by is seeing those beautiful uh, laminated um, uh, floors that, uh, that have gone in, so it's, uh, it's very, uh, very nice, and I have a, a bird's eye view. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, Kin Park, uh, there's kind of been, Kin Park and Soraya's Park, I should say, a lot kind of uh, happening on that. Can you tell us a bit about what council uh, decided to do in regards to that project? Sure. So what we've uh, done is um, staff took a look at it from a um, an operational perspective. So the design came to us and it was absolutely beautiful. And then you know staff was talking about you know how it's 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 one thing to have this beautiful flowing parking lot, but try and clear the snow off of that is a different. Uh, a different story so they brought us back um, a slightly different uh, setup I think one of the other things was there was going to be a couple of ice surfaces on it and so moving the Zamboni uh, between the two ice surfaces would be difficult if they were separated um, so we had a conversation about that so a lot of the work in 2022 is going to be on the west side of Kin Park we already upgraded the uh, the north side of um, of the street there, so that it is actually a street and not a, a laneway. And so we'll be working on the south side, which uh, is around the uh, Ambrose School area. So that uh, rink will come out, the rink that's there now, and we'll replace that with another one. So we're really looking forward to some skating surfaces, some pickleball. Um, just some improved trails and stuff like that and then we'll be working uh, and fixing up that road continuing on with the, the road um, um, completion and then um, we'll move to the east side uh, next year all right and do you is there anything in the budget that's sort of built in as we expect covid to have an effect on it or is that really kind of the operating side where the city has to start thinking about okay, COVID's wrapping up, but still a part of our lives. How are we going to deal with it and build that into the budget? Yeah, that's all on the operating side of things because we've been able to um, manage, and with the public health orders that are out there for construction, we've been able to manage um, uh, to uh, carry on with our capital budget. And have costs increased significantly due to uh, public health orders making it more difficult for people to work close quarters that sort of thing that you've noticed well there's so out in the um uh construction arena there's um you know costs have increased simply because of the ppe that's needed as well as the safety aspects that that are needed on construction sites and so 
uh, we have these um, uh, we have these projects. We're going to put them out to tender, and we will see what happens when uh, um, when the tenders come back in. So it's it's going to be interesting. Um, we were pretty excited that you know when we decided to put that investment into the community and get it out there that we had a lot of local companies uh, bid on the projects and we are I think the RCMP um, detachment is 81% local and so that's exciting because it just continues to um, spin that money in in the uh, community. I want to talk about the library now. Um, they are in some financial trouble. They've been running deficits for several years. Uh, they earlier this year asked for a loan essentially uh, to kind of keep the lights on and keep pe paying people. They then asked uh, to become a municipal library. They asked council if they could. Uh, as I understand, it, you guys denied that request. Uh, why is that? I mean, obviously, you, the library is an important part of this community. Why did council decide to say no to that specific request at this time? Right, so um, just back that up, we regretfully declined it and offered to do some advocacy. Um, so um, on that point, um, just let me say that libraries are absolutely integral to communities and um, you know the success and the vitality of the community, the health of the community often hinges on a library. What happened was the library when they did their AGM uh, voted to um, ask to become a municipal library. Uh, there are different forms of library um, and they are a library association right now so they gave us no choice on any other form of governance, just the, the municipal library. They are getting funding uh, right now from um, the rural um, areas, so Area C, Charlie Lake does provide them with, uh, with funding and they increased their funding um, over the last few years. There's uh, other funders that have not increased their funding and we had no way of knowing what would happen to that regional funding and if that funding would then dry up and would the city then be responsible for it. But the Library Act is rather archaic and in no form of governance does it allow a library to actually become a, um, a, a department within the municipality. It will always have an independent board that is really not answerable to the municipality, yet we are expected to fund them. So what we've indicated is that we regretfully decline it at this time and that we would reach out to the minister responsible and advocate for a, a review of the Library Act. And I can tell you that that uh, correspondence has already left my office. We've asked for that conversation to start. Now, have you compared sort of what other cities have? Because, for example, as I believe, I believe Dawson Creek has a municipal library, uh, for example. What is it about theirs that their situation that maybe works that you know in comparison wouldn't work here in Fort St. John? Okay, well, first of all, you'd have to find out if it works for them, right? Sure. And um, the other thing is, is historically it has just been that way. We've got a significant uh, population on our doorstep with Charlie Lake and and uh, some other rural areas and. 
our library has never been a municipal library. That's it's just the way it has been. And so now, you know, um, essentially what we are looking at is a library that is asking us uh, to allow them, according to the Library Act, to not even ch change their governance that much because they'd still be an independent board, but the city would take on probably somewhere in the neighborhood if they kept their budget the, the same as it is, we would be looking at a good quarter million dollars extra on our uh, operating budget. That's the conversation we need to have. All right. Well, we're going to be talking more about uh, budgets and city issues uh, with uh, Mayor Lori Ackerman right after this on Moose Talks. Over the past two decades, Arctech Welding and Machining has evolved from welding and machining to Northern BC's go-to for custom steel and fabrication services, no matter the project, big or small. We offer structural steel fabrication with our 8-axis Vortman beamline, a computerized plasma torch, accommodating plates up to 8 by 24 feet. Our fleet of portable welding trucks come to you. Plus, we offer repairs, sandblasting, painting, and more. Check out our latest projects and start planning yours at arctech-welding.com. The North Peace Leisure Pool has a variety of activities and programs happening throughout the year. This month, there's plenty happening at the pool for the whole family. Here's what's coming up. The pool will now have an 8 p.m. swimming session for one hour Monday through Friday. Enjoy use of the pool after work or come splash around with the family in the leisure pool. Please register online. For the full schedule of programs and activities at the North Peace Leisure Pool, visit the city's website at fortstjohn.ca. This year, M&M Food Market is celebrating 40 years of helping Canadians put delicious meals on the table. They offer the best easy-to-prepare, top-quality foods with personalized customer service. They also offer one of the best franchise packages out there for you. Ever wanted to help Fort St. Johners put delicious food on the table? Are you hungry for new opportunities? M&M Food Market has a franchise opportunity for you right here in Fort St. John. Email store337 at mmfoodmarket.com or visit their location at the north end of the Totem Mall. Nothing worse than hearing part of a conversation. I said, let's put the project on. If the cell service at camp or in the field sounds like an old movie that cuts in and out, then Petron can clear it up today. With a cell booster, your calls will be clear of... Pardon? What did you say? Huh? And... Can you hear me now? A booster in your facility will give you a clear, concise conversation that can't be misinterpreted. Call today and we'll clear up your call right away. Petron Communications, a clear choice for the North since 1978. The Women's Resource Society is celebrating their 40th anniversary this year by having a 40 years and $40,000 challenge fundraiser to replace their roof. They would like to say thank you to the donor of the day, Callison Zunertz, for their support of $1,000. Watch this show live on Facebook or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Welcome back to Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Let's get right back to our conversation with Lori Ackerman, the mayor of Fort St. John. Uh, part two of that conversation starts right now. There is a by-election coming up in May as uh, Becky Grimsrud had to resign her position on council. Uh, it seems like a long way away to hold a by-election. Uh, were you forced into that by sort of how by-elections are run, or was it a decision council made uh, maybe it would be safe to run an election later on in the year when more people are vaccinated and it's closer to the summertime. 
So the, we must follow the legislation and um, the legislation clearly states that once we appoint a chief election officer, then we have 80 days that we must hold that election. So within 80 days. So we're having a special meeting on March the 1st. That time frame between uh, Councillor Grimsrud's uh, resignation and March the 1st ha will allow our staff to pull together a COVID plan, a safety plan to uh, hold that election. That COVID safety plan has to pass all of the regulators. So we need to just run it past Northern Health and um, I think maybe WCB just to make sure that uh, the workers are safe and that the people are safe uh, that are coming to uh, to vote and <clears throat> so once we so we have that special meeting and that's 80 days so right now we're looking at uh, about to the 15th of May would be within the 80 days I know that some of my colleagues across British Columbia have had uh, uh, by-elections as well. Uh, Dawson Creek most recently had uh, had a by-election and theirs was pushed back even further as, as uh, a direct result of that uh, COVID plan that needed to be done. So this wasn't a plan that the city was already sort of looking at in case something like a by-election would have happened? No, uh, elections are uh, special creatures, and that's why we appoint a chief election officer to uh, to handle it, and then of course uh, top that off with COVID. And so I know that our staff have been diligently working on a safe plan to ensure that uh, we can. And and the reality is is that um, you know we've got facilities that we can use for this. It's I think some of the uh, concern is around uh, advanced voting and and how that's going to work out and. The special voting because we've always taken the ballot boxes to uh, to the seniors facilities and with the seniors being um, vulnerable population we need to be concerned about that I also want to go back to uh, something else that came up in a cap in a uh, council meeting recently fireworks uh, now one of the things council said and I think you were kind of leading the charge on this a bit uh, more fireworks displays in part to sort of uh, maybe persuade people to shoot off fireworks on their own less. Has this become a big problem recently? Is that why this has become a thing council wants to do? Yeah, so many years ago, we did some research on uh, fireworks and um, <clears throat> it was brought to our attention by our fire department that by uh, setting off fireworks in the residential area, because we were setting them off uh, at Toboggan Hill um, you know, just around the fire department itself and the, the high school. And there had been small fires set uh, because of the embers from the, um, from the fireworks. And uh, the other thing that uh, we were doing was uh, it had to be um, managed appropriately by someone who is licensed and approved to uh, set off the fireworks. So it's Canada Day, right? And middle of the summer up here north of the 56th parallel and you've got to wait until you know quite a length at 10 10 30 at night before you can really <laughs> get the full effect of the fireworks so what we're seeing and what we're hearing a lot of especially uh from people who either get up early the next day to go to work or they have dogs or they have small children which is uh, quite prevalent around here is that they've got uh, someone in their neighborhood that is setting off fireworks and um, 
chatted with one of my colleagues and they said that, that there was four sets of fireworks in different you know areas around where they where they live so people need to understand that um, they are there is some liability and so if you started someone else's home garage whatever on fire you have to acknowledge that um, uh, there is some liability in it so what what council is saying is look people you know they enjoy fireworks it's a, it's a, it's a form of celebration there's also uh, other innovations that have come forward um, lights uh, something uh, lasers so staff are going to bring back a report to us that really does address um, opportunities for celebrations on Canada Day and on uh, New Year's Eve and we'll see what goes from there as well talking about how we can message out that there is uh, a liability if you're setting them off yourself yeah so it's dangerous and uh, and, and uh, not allowed so I want to switch uh quickly to this uh, the PRD meeting uh, of which you're a member um, road maintenance came up and, and, and clearing the highways and especially in the Pine Pass uh, I just I wanted to ask you your comment on that have you heard and seen kind of in your own uh, travels uh, like is this a huge problem that you want the Ministry of Transportation to push to be better that the, the Pine Pass is clearer faster highways in the piece clearer faster it is not just heard and seen, I have experienced it. And um, I drive down to Prince George uh, for meetings and I have driven that highway for decades. Um, there was a recent video put out talking about the unique terrain and the unique climates that the Pine Pass experiences. Well, it's been experiencing those climates for um, centuries. Right, and I think if I'm not mistaken, that highway opened in the early 50s. Right, so for decades, that road has been cleared in, and it's been over the last um, couple of winters that uh, the the road maintenance has been uh, significantly different. And um, for for example, last year, my vehicle to stay in the, the lane that I need to be in, my driving lane, it is a, an, a real um, Herculean effort to keep it there because the, that uh, um, right side of the road has not been cleared and then it ices up and it breaks up with the heavy traffic and it, it, it was just, it was icy and it kept pushing you into uh, the middle of the road and just a lot of people are driving in the middle of the road because they couldn't stay there. That was just one example. Um, another example, I knew that no one was behind me and so I stopped and took a picture of the road and it was like totally uh, covered uh, for 50 kilometers, a blade has not been down. And I don't leave early in the morning, I wait until um, you know the, the uh, snow maintenance, uh, road maintenance guys have been, been able to get out there and, and take a look and I do my research before I travel to make sure I know uh, what's going to happen and so my suggestion to the Ministry of Transportation is speak to the people who use that highway because we will tell you that things are different than they were in the past and while the policy may not have changed uh, whoever is interpreting that policy may be looking at it through a different lens 
And if that's the case, the same thing with the city, if we need to change that policy to make things a little clearer, then that's what we need to do. So it's not just about spend more money, clear the highways. It's it's fix the policy that allows them to do the the contractor to do that work. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> I wanted to end on this, of course. We have high on ice coming up very soon. Uh, overused uh, phrase, things are different this year, but uh, the, you and the city have managed to kind of keep things, uh, a lot of the spirit of high on ice intact. Uh, what are you looking forward to most uh, for high on ice this year? Well, I first of all want to start with, uh, we have some unbelievable rock star staff over at the recreation that have done an absolutely exceptional job at, uh, uh, first of all, managing the, the public health orders that we all must abide by, um, but also to take our annual events and to create something that is actually still um, something that the community can enjoy. And so um, High on Ice is going to be a drive-through event uh, this year. There's going to be a lot of home activities and um, just and there's a passport as well so you can go online uh to get your passport and and then you can go out into our local businesses and enjoy some food enjoy some shopping enjoy some activities and uh and give a little back to to the community i know at home we have done some research and uh, we are going to attempt to uh, construct something in our front lawn. Now we don't get the big chunks of ice that the, uh, we would normally get uh, for our carving. And so um, Andy and I have been out there, you know, creating our, our ice and, and working on it. So there will be, you have the opportunity, it's just like, you know, driving around to uh, um, see the Christmas lights and you'll be able to drive around and, and see these sculptures and, and others will be able to um, enter into their uh, the ice sculpture in the front lawn as well. Excellent, Laurie. Well, we'll have to leave it there today, but I'm, I'm grateful that you took some time to chat with us. Thank you very much. You have a fabulous weekend. Absolutely. That's Mayor Laurie Ackerman, the mayor of Fort St. John. We'll be right back to wrap things up on Moose Talks after this. Hey, you. <laughs> Me? Yes, you. Make your cave a man cave with Backcountry's Man Cave Makeover. Why would I? You can win great prizes like two recliners from City Furniture and other prizes from Sun Life Financial, SS Automotive, and Peace Country Delight. All you have to do is pick who you think will win the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's it? Stop interrupting. Head over to moosefm.ca slash contest to enter. Now I'm done. I'm going to Moose FM now. Backcountry's Man Cave Makeover. Man up your cave. As a business owner, finding the right employees is likely one of your biggest struggles. But here at Moose FM, we're really good at finding people. After all, we reach thousands of people every single day, plus at least 17,000 unique viewers on energeticcity.ca each day. So let us help you. We put together an affordable way for you to reach prospective employees. Contact us today and let us help you get started. You never know. One of our listeners could be your next star employee. Visit moosefm.ca. If you're looking for hassle-free Internet services, call the Peace Region Internet Society today. With coverage throughout most of the Peace, PRIS can get you connected quickly without the hassle of contracts or bundles. Visit PRIS.ca or call 1-800-768-3311 for more information. 
our community first. This is Moose Talks with Dub Craig on Moose FM. Our thanks again to Fort St. John Mayor Lori Ackerman for joining us today. If you missed this episode, you'll be able to watch it again online shortly on the Moose FM or EnergeticCity.ca Facebook pages. Or you can listen and download the podcasts and uh, all former episodes, by the way, at EnergeticCity.ca slash Moose Talks. That does do it for this episode, though. Moose Talks was produced by Adam Rayburn and Trey Lopashinsky. I'm Dub Craig. Have a gooder. Join us next Friday at 10 a.m. for another episode of Moose Talks, a weekly talk show about Fort St. John and the North Peace. You didn't plan anything for Valentine's Day again. No, I have plans, I swear. Don't be this person on Valentine's Day. Give your significant other a Valentine's Day to remember by becoming Carter Stuhler's cutest couple. Go to moosefm.ca and post a picture with your partner to turn your Valentine's Day from that to this. Oh, wow, I can't believe you got me jewelry from Carter's Jewelers. Don't forget about the three-course meal and jacuzzi suite from Just Jack's. And the $150 gift cards from Veronica's Closet, The Hairbin, and Dairy Queen. Now that's a Valentine's Day neither of you will forget. Visit moosefm.ca to enter. This is Moose Country.
Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.